We're taking Maisie on the bullet train and hunting 13 lives as prey. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. Welcome to my very last Offscreen. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking through movies with all of you guys um, each and every week. But I am bowing out because I'm off to go and have a baby. <laughs> and so for anyone who didn't know that, that is news for all you guys. I'm off to go and, uh, yeah, do motherhood well, instead I, of I, movies. <laughs> I, I hope I hope they already gleaned it, because I, 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 mean, I hope you'd already told people, because I may have accidentally dropped it on Talk Sport this morning, in which case I, I apologise, my dear Profuse. Oh, um, no, oh, it's oh, fine. sorry about that. It's fine. I've accidentally <laughs> done that one. Sorry, it didn't occur to me That's that okay. One. But you know what? I'm, I'm really glad that it's this week. I mean, Although it, although it's earlier than I would like, obviously I would, yeah. you know, I, I would I would have you I would have you in your recording this from the delivery room, if we could. <laughs> but uh, you know, obviously, at least you get to go on a great week. So I do uh, let's indeed. let's start with you do. Let's start with arguably though, probably probably arguably the weakest one of the four this week. Having seen all four, arguably yeah. the weakest one of the four, and it's still not bad at all. So why don't you tell us? Ms. Ms. Final Week, Ms. Perfect, tell us about Maisie. So Maisie is a documentary. It's rated 15. It's out today um, about the UK's uh, oldest working drag artiste. Now, if you were ever Mm. going to pitch me something to want to go and watch, this would be it. (laughs) And it's it's the story of a guy called David who... um, has is 85 years old lives in brighton and has this life as Maisie trollette and um has been entertaining audiences new and old for many years so on the opening credits you'll see you know um signed autographs and and letters to him from people like lily savage and you know silla black and, and amazing people from yesterday huge, so yeah, yeah. huge stars so he's had quite the life and this is kind of documenting where he's at right now. Never told you about the time Jimmy and I were at the Vauxhall Tavern and, and some queen had, had been um, turned out because she was sniffing poppers and she rang the police and told <laughs> that they were doing drugs. Oh, and okay. we had there was a police raid and we were in full drag and everything and then we all quick. Get off so I got off the stage and went to the bar. And this policeman, this is absolutely true. The policeman came and said to Breed, the, the, the governor's wife, he said, You get your mother upstairs because <laughs> she didn't want to see all what's going on. And this policeman, as meaningful drag, thought that, that I was saying, We'd mother and get your mother up. I thought, so that's David Raven there, uh, who, who you know, he's obviously also known as as Maisie Tro- Trollette, is it? Tro- Trollette, isn't it? Trollette, yeah. I think. Trollette. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> first of all, yeah, it is a, a very interesting. It's a very, it's a very interesting and uh, and quite charming tale, as you would imagine this would be. Like as you say, from the concept alone. You you know on the spot if you're going to enjoy this. If I say to you, it's Britain's old, you know, oldest working drag artist, you immediately know just based on that logline. 
Like, do you know what? I feel like you could do mm. anything with that concept. Like, just just that could be that could be a road trip comedy narrative feature. It could be a documentary. It could be a sitcom. You could do anything with that concept. It, it's it's all all the uh, all the potential in the world. Um, so the actual film itself is something a lot more down to earth, a lot smaller, and a lot more personal. I think than you'd really expect. It, it's more or less kind of a birthday celebration. It does feel a lot like someone's kind of yeah. more personal home chronicle. Yeah, and this is the problem, I think. I said to you just off air before we, we, we started recording, mm. you asked me how I felt about it, and I've said the words, whelmed. <laughs> not overwhelmed, <laughs> not underwhelmed, just whelmed. A lot, of the com- the, a lot of the format of this particular documentary happens where you kind of follow, you see a bit of yesteryear or a bit of kind of home movies of him performing on stage. And then it kind of goes back to him talking to other drag queens in his lounge in Brighton and they talk, or he's meeting the, uh, the world's, the Guinness World Records oldest ever drag queen who's flown over to come and see him. And then it's a lot of conversations between the two of them. It's almost too intimate to watch Mm. if you're coming from an outside perspective. Right. I absolutely get where you're coming from to an extent there. I think I felt I felt it all just felt a bit subdued. It all felt yes. a bit low energy. Yeah. Um, you want it to be camp and thing. you want it to be fabulous. Yeah. I, well, you kind of do from the concept alone. I'm aware that obviously that is not the day-to-day reality. It's not, it's not quite what I'm, I think the film itself just felt lifeless. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 the experience Lackluster. itself didn't... Yes, the experience itself felt like the whelming part of it. Like, I feel like David Raven himself and, you know, Maisie Triller herself uh, can uh, are entertaining enough in their own right. However, I think this is catching their dullest moments, quite frankly. Yeah. Like this, this, And also, yeah. in such an unimaginative and uninspired way, like, it feels you've... It feels like intimacy was the wrong way to take this when mm. I think something a bit more larger than life would have actually worked for it, would have actually yeah. just given it that little extra kick. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think when you go in with the expectations that you're going to learn about the UK's oldest working drag artiste, you're going to want to see it yeah. fabulous and camp and, and But and I liked nuts, it, though. So. I did quite like it. Charming. Yeah, it lost my attention. I'll be completely honest. It, it, it lost it. it la- the lackluster nature of it just kept me whelmed. Shall we move on? <laughs> let's let's move on then. Let's move on to thirteen. Let's move on to a cave in Thailand to rescue thirteen lives with Ron Howard. So if you told Ooh. me, uh, you know, if, I mean, in the last how long has it been now? I think it's been four years since the last time uh, Ron Howard terrified me with his version of lighting in a cave so i was not looking forward to a post you know solo a star wars story was not looking forward to 13 lives in which this is ron howard's you know apollo 13 style here's a true life disaster we're gonna do it as a drama thriller with an all-star cast style take on the story of the soccer team uh, stranded in the flooded cave in thailand and it is i think it's 20 is it 20 not 2013 is it Oh gosh, it may well be. Is it more recent than that? Is it more recent than that? Yeah, yeah, we'll have to look this up. Um, We'll have to look that one up. 
So the events here are, dra are, are dramatized. The, uh, they are largely told, they're told from the perspective of the rescue crew, of the divers, who are here, who are played on screen by Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen. Uh, both of whom, by the way, are playing Brits. If you, because if you remember the reality of this, the divers are Brits. Mm. So Colin Farrell and Vigo Mortensen are both putting on their best oh. Cockney accent, and Vigo Mortensen's casted creams is just amazing. I love it so much. Oh wow! And for the very, very first time, Colin Farrell actually convincingly sounds like a man named Colin. Anyway, uh, they're the uh, they're the rescue crew. Um, Joel Edgerton joins them along the way as the uh, he's the doctor who uh, came up with what became part of the re you know an integral part of the rescue plan. And do you know just as he did with uh, Apollo thirteen, Ron Howard's taking us on another rescue mission. You're following what's happening in Thailand. Some kids stuck in a cave. We're on the list of rescue divers. It's just a tourist cave. It looks easy, but when it's flooded, it's impassable. It takes a certain kind of mindset for the deep cave diving. You have to be a bit nuts. They're very, very dangerous. High water level and the low visibility. Barely shoulder wide, pulling against very strong currents. Close, but no cigar with that that English accent. You can still hear a little twang of his Irish accent in there. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I know you kind of enjoyed this mm. more than you expected to enjoy it. <laughs> Is that right? I, I did. I, I did. I, I thought this was... I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not Apollo 13. That's, you know, that's that's Ron Howard's true-life disaster movie drama-thriller mm. uh, drama, drama masterpiece. But this is pretty solid. I, it's one of those that it has had a limited release in cinemas for the past week. It has been available. And it's on Amazon Prime from today. And it's, but it is a huge scale movie. It's an example of the kind of thing that we're going to be discussing a lot in the coming weeks with regards Warner Brothers' recent announcements this week regarding, you know, films and the state of streaming, etc., and how things are looking on the uh, the horizon for the industry. But I think Thirteen Lives is one of those one of those films that he's going to come up in conversation a lot and I wouldn't mm. be surprised to see this as one of those unexpected ones that bounces back in awards season yeah you know it yeah, sort yeah, yeah. of disappears but then it just just bounces back unexpected you know there's always one from streaming that we always forget and it just pops back in that I, I could see that being this one somehow Welcome back to Off Screen. We're sticking with the big screen. Well, I say the big screen, a mixture of actual big screen, but big screen worthy movies is what we're talking about. And these hmm. two are the biggies of the week, I have to say. Prey is the one we're going to talk about. It's actually available on Disney Plus from today. This one, we would both encourage you to watch on the biggest screen you possibly can, I think, uh, yeah. to get the best uh, option. Unfortunately, for us with screeners, we had to watch it on... Uh, on our laptops and uh, it didn't quite do it justice but boy oh, is this a film we take speak for you speak for Go yourself on. did you not i hooked it up into the i, I hooked up the apple tv about the disney my little disney app they've got in the app store i, I had this baby on 85 inches still wasn't big oh enough. well there I we go i wanted to see this on imax 
Okay, well, definitely don't watch it on your laptop then because that's not the way to do it. (laughs) But Prey is the prequel to Predator, isn't it, Van? Do you want to take us through this? Mm. Okay, so I I, I would have considered this spoilers, but apparently they don't. So we'll, we'll go with what they don't consider spoilers. So this is the first hunt of the Predator on Earth. The very first predator arrives on Earth um, around the around the uh, the land of the Comanche na- uh, nation in I think is it Northwest? What do they call it? It's the Great Northwest Passage, I think it is. Mm. Uh, the Comanche nation in 1719, where the predator crosses paths with, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, almost the badass 90s action movie version of a Disney princess, if you can imagine such a thing. Like, imagine Shane Black wrote Pocahontas. That's our <laughs> lead here. And... She's sort of is she meant to be college age? Because I was I was I was trying to figure this one out what her sort of age was. She desperately wants yeah, to prove think... herself as a warrior. Yeah, so we're looking hmm. about three hundred years or so into the past. So yeah. it's you know, she although we talk about college age, she ain't going to college yeah, just yet because yeah. that ain't happening. Of course, I'm, I'm not saying she was like <laughs> off to Yale. I, I think she was getting a full ride to Yale no. or nothing like that in 1719. Yeah, it's, it's, it's taken. But she's. Yeah, but she's certainly in, in like, definitely there to kind of prove her worth as part of her clan, her warrior clan. Mm-hmm. And she's not quite taken as seriously as, as she wants to be. And she starts discovering that there's something afoot that's bigger than a bear and much more sinister <laughs> than that. And it all starts by seeing a rumbling grumble in the clouds. Why do you want to hunt? because you all think that I can't. I saw a sign in the sky. I'm ready. As my dear friend Rob Yeomans would say, coming out of this film, and I wish I'd seen this on an IMAX screen with him somehow. If we'd come walked out of this film together, I can imagine what he would have said. He would have just immediately stood up out of the chair and gone, Bosh, jobs are good. And then he would have laughed. <laughs> and I can absolutely... I, that's what I felt the minute this movie was done. It's like, now that is how you do it. How, mm. how we have gone since the very first Predator movie before getting one this good again. This is hands down the best one since the first one. I don't say that lightly because mm-hmm. I don't actually think that you know they've all been terrible. I think Predators, the third one, was actually very good. I think that's a very underrated movie with uh, Adrian Brody and his weird, weird torso, side-shifting quite... torso. But yeah, but there's been some, they there's were... been some stinkers. But there's been yeah, some, and two, two is not bad. But this is the best sequel, best one since the first. Easily. Yeah, prequel. Prequel, sequel, mm. prequel. But th- th- this is this is not what yeah. you expect because you know you kind of look at Predator and you kind of think Arnie, military, you know, someone mm. you know with a big a big belt full of bullets um, walking through the jungle. This isn't it. The fact that they've taken a female protagonist, they've brought it back yes. three hundred years. You know, this is this is what makes it so different. And so you know, if you were going to reimagine this, you have to go really like curveball on it and I think that's what they've done and it's worked an absolute treat because she um, what's her name? Amber Uh, Amber Midland 
Mid Thunder. Amber Mid Thunder. It's yeah. so compelling. She's so compelling to watch mm. in this. And, you know, you might not have seen her in a lot before, but I think after this performance, you're going to want to watch her a lot more on, on the big and yeah. small screen. Yeah, yeah, she's she's getting so many phone calls this weekend. Like, I honestly, <laughs> yeah. do, I do not envy her agent's family this weekend. Yeah. Like, those those poor children. Those poor, poor children. Um, they are the victims of Amber Midthunder's success this week. She's great in this. Like, she makes an immediate mm-hmm. impression. A lot, I mean, the film plays a sort of a narrative twist with its tone, in a sense, because it's got a first act and a title drop that doesn't quite prepare you for what's going to come and but she immediately asserts herself makes a real impression um there is also a tonal leaning into things like the revenant and survivalist horror like that that's a really smart choice um there's room there's still room for this series to go if you want to do stuff with it um but otherwise this can be left perfectly intact now as the perfect both prequel and sequel to the already perfect Predator. Um, speaking yeah. of well, per- speaking of perfect, but not quite perfect. This one, this one was also a blast. Let's just talk about the the uh, the actual IMAX release of the week. I, th- I feel like this should have just been sharing screen time with Prey in a Just World. Bex, are you hype for the Bullet Train out of interest? Because I know you've not seen this one. Are you hype for am. the marketing? I kind of. Am. Yeah, I, I, I am. And, you know, Brad Pitt, I always go and watch a movie with him in it. I think he makes really great choices. I think he's always good fun. Um, I think that's the big pull for me. But it's it's an all-star cast in this, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is, and then some. So there is there is a whole thing. Now, do start minding spoilers on, on reviews of Bullet Train because there are a lot of things that can be uh, dropped. There's a lot in there. It's a, it's a very Hollywood-friendly movie. So the idea is, you remember, uh, how well did you regard Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Next. Ah, so that's not quite my tempo. Um, only in the tempo. sense that not quite my tempo, J.K. Mm-hmm. Simmons, um, because uh, <laughs> um, it was more the the what I wanted out of Tarantino than anything yeah. else out of that. So yeah. I- imagine imagine the John Wick guys wanted to do a movie kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, only instead of the film industry, everyone was a hitman. And instead of Hollywood... You have my attention. It was on, yeah. And instead of Hollywood, it was on a bullet train. And, you know, yeah. everyone's got their own little stories. They're all interweaving. They're all intersecting. You've got a father who's, uh, you know, attempting to... You know, who's, who's attempting to save the life of his dying son, who's dying in a hospital, whose life is being threatened, has to, has to commit an assassination. You've then got Brad Pitt at the centre of all... You've got a pair of, of brothers, sorry, as well, who, uh, you know, are, are, I think are there to rescue... who retrieve someone's lost son, uh, a drug lord's lost son and a briefcase full of money. And then you, at the centre of it all, you've got Brad Pitt who's recently returned to work as a hitman following a mental health holiday in which he has taken to self-examination, introspection, and meditation. And uh, he has been cursed with bad luck, which follows him in the form of a trail of bodies, literally, wherever he goes. Like I say, it's all kind of of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but instead of dialogue, it's... From the John Wick guys, so they're action sequences. It sounds nuts, but when you see it, it all makes sense, and it's actually brilliant. Here's a clip of a fight between Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brad Pitt getting interrupted uh, by a waitress. I know who killed the kid. I couldn't give a rest. 
So we've got a bit of, I feel like it's got a bit of Kill Bill kind of, you know, action, humour. Frenzied, yeah. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like, that sounds like my tempo. <laughs> yeah, if it's, if it's closest to anything, um, it, it's, do you remember Smoking Aces from 2006? Uh, it was yes. by Joe Carnahan. Yeah. I, imagine a more popcorn friendly, more crowd pleading pleasing version of that from the 87 North guys. Now, the 87 mm. North guys, you know, like John Wick and, and Nobody and Atomic Blonde, you know, it's David Leach. These guys know action. And, you know, these are the guys who, you know, study Michael Jai White movies and Scott Adkins movies and things like that. These guys know their Tony Jars and, and you know, they, they, these guys absolutely know, you know, that the best action movie best action movie stuff in the world you know as regards now and this is yeah. them getting you know well I mean, certainly the last few years and this is them getting the chance to do an actual big budget studio hollywood hangout movie um in imax scale international scale you know diverse international cast joey king hamming it up you know uh, as uh, a british accented mm. femme fatale you know sort of a teenage femme fatale gone wrong kind of thing um in the, in the high school years, yeah, and then you've got uh, uh, Brad Pitt at the centre of it all as just just doing his Lost City bit, really, uh, just showing up and owning <laughs> it like he did in, in you know briefly in Lost City. Just imagine that for a movie. I, I'm gonna yeah. say that that connection does come up again, but it's it's just wonderful fun. That's all I can say. You get the impression that this movie well, was a trade. It... Go on. Yeah. I was going to say, this is your perfect Friday night film, right? This yeah. Is, grab the popcorn, grab some mates, go to the cinema, watch this and have a jolly good time. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this weekend, if you want a great old school, fun, flinging, frenzied, you know, uh, you know, jam-packed, fr- frenetic actioner, definitely go and get on the bullet train, preferably in IMAX. Well, there you go. You can't get much bigger than Brad Pitt on a bullet train. So that was all of your big (laughs) selections on the big screen. Now let's move over to the small screen and we've got your seven-day guide to all the top movies that are top on your telly box. And we're kicking off uh, tonight on 11.40 BBC One. We've got Young Guns. We've talked about Young Guns a number of times, I think, here. And and two, I think. We've talked about Young Guns two as well. Yeah. Yeah, I continually get confused between the two. Um, the Blaze of Glory and everything is, is more <laughs> more Young Guns too. Um, but this is like, you know, Emilio Estevez, Billy the Kid. You know, it's kind of, it. it, it is what we love from a Western, mm. from a, you know, something that really sort of screams late 80s, early 90s. And it's, this... it's good fun to watch again and again, isn't it, Van? Well, it's, it's a classic 80s, you know, this studio movie in which, you know, studios did used to just randomly make westerns. That's a thing that used to happen. They used to randomly make westerns and put them in, put them in mm. cinemas, you know, packed full of all-star casts. And the whole thing at the time, to, to do this today, right, just to, to do something like Young Guns today, you'd have to get One Direction to star in a movie. Or, or what, what would be the modern equivalent? Would it still, because <laughs> yeah. obviously it couldn't be. 
I, I mean, I, that's my point of reference for the last five years is like, for the last 10 years is One Direction. But I'm trying to think like who, who you could possibly get that would compare to this now, who you'd have to stack a movie with to compare yeah. to Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, yeah. Emilio Estevez, Lou Diamond Phillips. You know what I mean? It was an all-star, it was a huge run. And then the sequel, they wound, wound up somehow managing to do it again, getting people like Christian Slater in the mix uh, to boot, and Bon Jovi joining the crew. It was and bizarre. Bon Jovi. But, uh, yeah, and you can see the uh, terrific uh, 1988 Christopher Kane-directed uh, Young Guns tonight at 11.40 on BBC One. Uh, over to uh, Saturday then, tomorrow. Uh, Bex, one that we have got a clip for. I think you weren't a fan of this and I was. Is that right? No, yeah, that's right. That's right. This is Steve McQueen's <laughs> Widows, um, which is on 11.30 on on Channel 4. Just, again, wasn't my cup of tea. I thought it was, hmm. you know, I love Steve McQueen's work. Don't love the director himself. He's not the nicest of guys when you want to interview him. Yeah. But um, he is uh, someone that, yeah, yeah just, just a little bit, little bit sort of too self-assured, I think. Um, I've and, had those, uh, yeah. He, this this movie for me is like, yeah, this movie for me, you know, I love Shame. I love 12 Years a Slave. I love, you know, all that. It, this just didn't really cut the mustard for me. But I know lots of people loved it. And, you know, Widow's female heist, you know, movie. It's it's what a lot of, there were a lot of iterations of this style format movie. And this was obviously Steve McQueen's one. I'd rather go and watch the Ocean's female movie than this one. If, if, if you're going to compare it to anything else. Was it? I, my my mum is a big Linda Laplante fan, so I uh, I've had the book, I've had copies of the book around me for for decades in my life. So I uh, I was kind of weirdly curious to see how this would turn out in the hands of uh, of Steve McQueen. I rather enjoyed it. All star cast includes uh, Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, Dan Cullier, uh, Robert Duvall, uh, Colin Farrell. Robert Duvall incidentally gets my favourite moment of his entire career. It's also the best um, f bomb. One of the best F-bombs in all of cinema yeah. for me in this movie. Uh, but Daniel Kaluuya, just terrifying. Uh, Saturday night, 11.30 on 4. It's Widows. Take it away, Viola. Our go date is in three days. The night of the debate. Now all of our work is worth nothing if we don't move this money in fast. We got to start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not going to be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. Well, there we go. From something that's not quite my tempo to something that most definitely is, it's on <laughs> E4, 9pm on Sunday, is Blockers, this movie I love. It's about a group of parents who are petrified about what their kids will get up to on prom night and uh, essentially become those parents <laughs> that are trying to stop them at every occasion to lose their virginity. Um, it is brilliant. Uh, and, and this is kind of one of those, I don't know how you describe this kind of set of movies that kind of falls into like this, Bad Neighbours, you know, those kind of really great American sort of middle of the road, but hilarious and quotable oh. American Pie star movies that yeah they they are kind of what's become of the Apatow movie now they they are the the sort of current iteration yeah. the the current evolution I think of what was once the Apatow 
movie because the Apatow the Apatow movie kind of supplanted the Frat Pack movie, which was really the Vince Vaughn type movies, and then that sort of got supplanted mm. by the rise of Apatow. And then you got the Seth Rogen sort of spinning out, spin outs of that. And it's interesting that the Apatow era has actually led to things like The Boys and Preacher, but not a world I ever expected to be living in. But uh, Blockers is uh, also it's directed by Kay Cannon. Uh, who directed, I think it was the first Pitch Perfect. I think she directed the first Pitch Perfect uh, mm. as well. So it's, it's quite a mainstream studio comedy, but I think for all intents and purposes, it is, it, it's kind of more tangentially treated as 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 a studio comedy, which is odd because it is it's quite an avatar one. Uh, Leslie Mann being front and centre does kind of give you the indicator, though, of where the, the roots yeah. of this comedy comedy like oh, John Cena, so though, absolutely stealing the show. I'll tell you a funny one, though, Bex. Um, the logo for this movie has a male chicken before the word, before the title, Blockers. Uh, I explained this to Paul Ross this morning. Uh, he didn't yes. get it in the moment. And uh, one of the producers whispered it in his ear as we continued talking, explained it to him, uh, so that I know that he had that word dropped into his head <laughs> whilst talking to me <laughs> live on radio. Just a, a nice such moment a I'm going to enjoy because of... Yeah, such a, great, such a great movie, such a great moment to go with it. Uh, speaking of just great moments in movies, I don't know if you ever got round to watching this one on Monday, Bex. 9pm on Five Star. You know what? This is your last episode. You've got to promise me now that you're going to go away and watch this finally, if you've not. Jason Statham... Fight a giant shark in the Meg. Boom. 9pm, five-star, Monday. Here's a clip. Bex, you've got to watch it this time. Let's listen. She's coming. Oh, boy. It was the largest shark that ever existed. Thought to have been extinct for two million years. There are things out there. find it and kill it why don't you just put a tracker on it Did you guys ever watch shark week yeah i'll reserve judgment till monday night when i watch it <laughs> remember when you hadn't watched john wick uh longest time you hadn't watched john wick and i kept telling you you gotta watch yeah, john wick yeah. now you can't imagine your life without john wick well i imagine your life you're gonna there's gonna be come, come a time when you can't imagine your go. life without jason statham fighting a giant shark anyway what we got for tuesday bex so we've got stealth which is at 9 p.m on great movies um i'm not sure i've seen this one and we're gonna have to whiz through these next few ones anyway but um Van, take us through what this one's all about very quickly. So Stealth is the sci-fi pilot actioner starring Josh Lucas, Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx as a trio of hotshot uh, naval aviators like Top Gun types who go toe-to-toe with an AI drone co-pilot voiced by Wentworth Miller that gets struck by lightning, goes evil and starts trying to destroy humanity. Um, it's Directed by Rob Cohen, who did uh, the first Fast and the Furious and uh, and Triple X, uh, so he's he's kind of a functional early two thousands action director. This is actually pretty good though. This is him working with some really impressive and actually still quite impressive, like even today, visual effects. Well worth a watch uh, if you've never seen. If you've got if you you've got like a, a nice uh, a nice new TV that you want to watch something shiny and sexy in in like HD on whack this on it looks really good um on to wednesday stuba which i did i think is actually a premiere is on film four at eleven twenty. this kind of got buried i don't think there were any press shows for this dave batista is a cop who goes in for laser eye surgery 
right? Gets a lead on a case that he's like hell bent on solving. Has got those like sunglasses on so he can't see. Calls an Uber driven by a guy named Stu, hence Stuber. Right? Stu is played by Kumail Nanjiani and he effectively collaterals him, hijacks his night, makes him drive him around like following the lead on this case. Have a listen. Hey! Uber? Yeah. Oh my God. Hey, let me guess. You want me to drive you to all the Sarah Connors in the city? <laughs> Come on, start it up. Let's go. Oh, it's already started. Electric car. I call it silent but deadly. Drive. I'm Stu. How do you do? Can I get you some bottled water, some Canadian chocolates? It was one of those things where I thought I was getting five bars on Amazon, but I ended up Koreatown. No. Koreatown. No. Hold on. I'm gonna bang a Yui here real quick. Nope. Don't got it. Hold on. You start to get the, uh, the idea. Sounds better of why than what I thought it would. Really? Be from the initial description. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think so. I think it's Kamel Nanjiani that's probably saving it a little bit, but it He's could the be best one of those throwaway actors that mm. could work. But like you say, you can. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. That's eleven twenty p.m. on Film Four on Wednesday. If you want to check it out, we're ending the week on um, great movies again, and this is at ten fifty-five p.m. This is this literally is a great movie. This is Panic Room, mm. starring Jodie Foster and a very young Kristen Stewart as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is kind of your well. It's all set in a house that has a panic room. And you can imagine what happens. Something happens that causes them to have to utilise that panic room. Need I say more? Probably not. But it's very, very well performance driven and it's, it's a great movie. I know we're pushed for time, but I just I need to point out because this one just just amuses me. I love how you say you know it's just got a panic room, you know, just just as you do. The term, the actual term. I don't panic want to give too room, much away. Actually, no, no, no. The actual term, panic room, actually got popularised by this movie it wasn't a thing like no one called them panic rooms until this mm. movie turned it into a thing i find that fascinating it's a banger of a film david fincher just something incredibly inventive uh, camera work cinematography uh, jared leto as a villain alongside forrest whitaker as well uh, really great performances really tight script there's a little cameo in there by writer andrew kevin walker as well as the guy across the street that they can see that's the guy that wrote seven and he did in fact write a version of Batman versus Superman at one point in his life. True story. Um, I love Panic Room. 10.55 on Great Movies on Thursday. Thanks for joining us here back on Offscreen for our final ride on uh, streaming and DVD and Blu-ray for you. So if you are not wanting to watch all of those seven days of movies on the telly box and you want something more personal to you, then you can go and do it via your streaming platform. So we've got a few things available for you. Now, we obviously talked about uh, 13 Lives in our first block today, which is obviously available on Amazon Prime. Um, this is the big movie probably for Amazon Prime of this week. Uh, Ron Howard, Van very much enjoyed this. It's a cave. We've got Colin Farrell doing a British accent with a slight Irish twang. What's not to Casted Grames. <laughs> Casted Grames. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I mean, look, interesting story, I think. Interesting kind of take on it. If you're a big Ron Howard fan, like you said, it's not quite your Apollo, your Apollo movie, but it is something that is still going to be 
possibly that sneaky awards contender. Yes, I think it's a really solid, a really solid drama thriller. Like, it's a kind of thing... I mean, prior to me bashing him for, for Solo, uh, it's the kind of thing that I would have said, yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing you call Ron Howard for. You know, it, it's very much that movie. It's, it's the kind of movie we used to say, that's what you call Ron Howard for. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, nice, it's a nice yeah. return to yeah, form yeah. for him. It's for nice sure. to see him back on, like, Apollo 13 kind of, kind of form, even if not that quality, necessarily. Yeah, for sure. And then again, likewise, also out uh, today is Prey, which is available on Disney Plus, as we've already obviously talked through. This one, uh, further to what we kind of discussed yeah. when it came to uh, reviewing this movie, just want to kind of build on it to kind of say, if you're looking for something with a strong narrative to it, and that's what you kind of like watching, this hasn't really got that, and but not to its detriment. I think it works really well that you're kind of left out in, in in the wilderness somehow with this movie i didn't realize until after watching the movie and i was i was, I was reading and reading up on it um that prey is a really hefty work of cultural authenticity like they've really gone above and beyond like it's 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 actually authentically cast as well amber mid thunder is you know an authentic native new mexico yes and I was really impressed by the detail that they went into on it because there were things in it that I genuinely looked at and thought, that can't possibly be real. And then had to look at it and like, oh, that, that's actually a real thing. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I was fascinated. It genuinely, yeah. it, it taught me stuff about, because the Comanche Nation, unless, unless you've watched a lot of Westerns and things like that, you don't necessarily know about the Comanche Nation. It's not some, definitely not something we get taught in British schools at any rate. So I, I actually found a lot of incredibly mm. fascinating, especially when presented in that Revenant-style badass warrior way that's, that's kind of depicted in Prey. Hats off to Dan Trachtenberg uh, for this movie and Jeff Cutter for the cinematography. This thing is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, I really loved Prey. If you're looking for a movie on streaming this weekend, yeah, absolutely. Just, so just watch Prey. Uh, it's so good. Oh, can you tell Van's a fan? Um, so next up, um, we're going to take you a little bit back in time to 2004 um, on Netflix. Um, they're dropping The Wedding Date, which is... Um, which is... Who is it? Deborah... Deborah, Deborah Messing? Messing from Will and Grace, isn't it? It's, it's, it's Grace from Will and Grace. Yeah. Or, or, and, or, or perhaps um, and more famously Mer and better oh God, known now as the, uh, the mother <laughs> in the god-awful uh, made-for-TV remake of Dirty Dancing. Uh, starring Abigail, is it Abigail Breslin? I think it was Abigail Breslin. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, bad as it Breslin. sounds. Oh no! Mm. Oh dear! Oh dear! Well, this was qu this was quite a well-loved movie. Um, so, so I, I don't remember actually seeing this one, Van. So, which surprises me because 2004, The Wedding Date, rom-com kind of movie. I thought it would be right up my street, but this but one. But prime, you prime me mark by. around then, were you? With the wedding date. Yeah, you're prime mark in 2004. Uh, so this was uh, <laughs> yeah, Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing yeah. is, you know, the uh, the uptight, you know, city uh, city single gal. She's she's trying to have it all. But, you know, doesn't have the, the the best of luck in love, and she has to go to a wedding. She literally has to hire a date and it's a rom-com kind of fill in the mm. the blank on that one the date is D i think it's dermot mulroney fill in so the you know it's D <laughs> dermot mulroney just as he's starting to get the sort of salt and pepper thing going the early stages of the salt and pepper dermot mulroney so post post uh, my best friend's wedding dermot mulroney uh that's on netflix from saturday so that's your uh, your saturday night date movie on netflix there um one that i don't think eh, not really worked as a date movie i don't know it's hardly tipping the velvet is it uh benediction 
arrives on DVD and Blu-ray on Monday. The Siegfried Sassoon biopic starring... Ja- is it Jack Loudon stars in this one, Bex? I think so. Benediction, oh my goodness. Um, yes, and I think we were saying how quickly this is going on to DVD and Blu-ray. We weren't expecting this to to, to kind of be such a, a quick move, but I think it's reflective of it. I wasn't a massive fan of this. I was... I thought it was a bit sort of long-winded and sort of yes. str- struggles gets you to sort of struggle the way through it, um, and could have been much more engaging. But you know, it's it's very it's it, it, oh, I can't remember what time like this is how forgettable it is. We've only reviewed this a couple of weeks ago, and it's <laughs> um, I think it's utterly forgettable because you kind of just don't you're not interested in the story, which shows how lacking in compellingness it has. Um, let me let me so, yeah, uh, refresh your memory <laughs> and tell you this is this is the what this is the movie in which Jeremy Irving from uh, War Horse and the, uh, the the Woman in Black oh, yeah. sequel shows up and actually demonstrates a personality. It, it's that one. He actually demonstrates a personality. Yes. It, it, it's gobsmacking. I was I was shocked. But alas, I think the one that's going to fly more heavily and more heftily off the shelves come Monday. We've got a clip for this one uh, because there's going to be so many kids, I would imagine, wanting the DVD slash Blu-ray to go alongside the previous one uh, on their shelf, which I'm sure is very worn given how often this movie seems to get play. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 comes to disc on Monday. It's the sequel to... Is it, it wasn't... Was it the most successful... No, it was the second or third most successful film at the global box office of 2020, thanks to the pandemic. Um, Crazy. And, yeah, here, here Sonic the Hedgehog returns and must face off against Knuckles, voiced by Idris Elba. But, of course... You can't have a Sonic the Hedgehog movie without Dr. Robotnik, and you can't have a Sonic the Hedgehog sequel without the one and only Jim Carrey. Pitiful. Who are you? Where are my manners? Sonic, meet Knuckles, my new BFFAE. Bestest friend forever and ever. Well, <laughs> look, nobody needs to... It doesn't take a, a, a rocket scientist to know that I wasn't a massive fan <laughs> of Sonic the Hedgehog, the original movie, um, and I'm shocked that it did so well, let alone spawned a sequel. But I'm sure lots of people out there would love it, if not to see uh, Jim Carrey's just... Um, Jim Carrey's performance. Jim's Carrey, Jim Carrey's Jim Carrey <laughs> performance is what I was going to say, because it is so Jim Carrey in this. Um, but, yeah... That's that's the movie that's gonna that's the movie that's gonna do the business this week on DVD and Blu-ray. So that's nuts. Totally. Um, yeah. I wish I could say that I end my time. Yeah, I wish I could say I end my time with off-screen on a high note. And unfortunately, you've picked Sonic the Hedgehog two as the last movie that well, we're talking about. I, I did. I did want to send you off on a nice note. I did want to send you off on a nice note. So we I mean, first of all, we'll just say okay. next week uh, we are going to be talking next week. Uh, Zara will obviously be, uh, be be filling a chair from next week, uh, in which we will be discussing presently mm-hmm. the animated feature Where Is Anne Frank, uh, Eiffel which uh, mm-hmm. I've only seen the poster of, and it looks like a sort of grand epic about the construction of the Eiffel Tower somehow. But I don't think any of it matters, because next week sees the release of Jordan Peele's Nope, which I, I got the pleasure of seeing uh, in the nope. US in this, yeah. this grand old old movie palace uh, with my fiance, And it was... 
it was just a great experience. I, I, I also love, by the way, that you can just refill popcorn in American cinemas and so just refill sodas and popcorn. It's like, come on, like, UK. We need to up our game on this. Why am I paying subscription fees to go to cinemas where I can't refill my stuff, man? What's going on there? Anyway, I want to send you off on a nice note back. Yeah, Bex. that is I, crazy. Uh, I, uh, I, I noticed... Uh, just a little something last night as I was uh, just randomly doing some paperwork and uh, I wanted to find out like what your very first episode was so I, I looked it up and would you believe it, it was 150 oh. episodes ago from this very episode this is off screen wow. number 335 wow, and your very very first one was off screen number 185 the films we reviewed together your very first week, which, incidentally, that episode went out 21st of June 2019. I believe we recorded it in Soho together. And the films we talked about for that very first time together, we'd obviously worked together at Talk Sport, but the first time on this show, were Toy Story 4, yeah. The Flood, the, rem- uh, the Captor, and the remake of Child's Play. So I'd like to say we definitely started as we meant to go on, <laughs> I think. As far as that lineup goes, I think we started we as we meant indeed. to go on there. Yeah, there's, there's, there was a little bit of our sort of repertoire right there. Let's get yeah. a big and, anim- and flashy we... animated movie horror one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and we've ended on a high with some great movies like Bullet Train and uh, and Prey. So for me, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that's tuned in for my 150 plus episodes that I did. That's quite something. It's been an absolute wild ride taking you through all the top movies on your big screen, the small screen and everything in between. I've absolutely loved it. Van has been the perfect uh, co-host for this as well. And long may off screen continue and i'm sure whoever gets to fill my boots as i move from movies to motherhood is going to do a fantastic job but for now for one last time i just want to say thank you so much and i've been bex perfect i've been van connor and we shall return <laughs>